What's up, kinfolk? It's RJ Young. I am not on a step mill. Thank you for watching the number one college football show on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today, we have to go through my week 13 top 25, see how I come up against the Associated Press top 25, talk a little bit about this piece that I'm very excited you can go read at the Fox Sports website right now about CJ Stroud, and going to talk with the last man to win the Heisman Trophy at Ohio State. That would be Troy Smith, the man who was the hero the last time that Ohio State and Michigan met as 11-0 undefeated Titans of the game. Really excited to share that with you. But first, we need to start by talking about the game we didn't get to on Saturday night. That would be number 12, Oregon, beating number 10, Utah, 20-17. to Oregon was up 17-3 at half, but Utah came back, tied the game at 17 with 239 left to play in the third quarter. And then Oregon kicker Camden Lewis hit a 41-yard go-ahead field goal with 11-17 left in the fourth quarter. And that would be the last point scored in the game. Bo Nix played well in this game. As a matter of fact, I was really excited to see that Bo Nix just didn't turn the ball over as often as he could have. I'm watching this game. He goes 25-37, 287, one TD and a pick. But what I saw from him was a settled Bo Nix, a dude that was going to stand back there in the pocket and take, take what Utah was able to give him. And when he forced it, he was made to pay for it. Like Clark Phillips came up with a pick there toward the end of the game that I felt like, Bo, you just don't make that throw. I don't know that you got the arm to make that out throw. And plus, Clark Phillips is, if not the best cornerback in the game, he's certainly one of the best cornerbacks in the game. And you just don't throw it to his side. But then Cam Rising decided to throw it back to Oregon on the ensuing possession. And now Oregon is in position to make it into the Pac-12 championship game. We'll talk a bit about that. They need to win their game against Oregon State. And they'll face a ranked Oregon State in what was once called well, we don't call it anymore. I guess it's just an in-state game. I, I don't even remember what they call it because it used to be called the Civil War and now it's called something else. But I know that Jonathan Smith is also looking to get, wow, I mean, they they could end up with 10 wins if they beat Oregon this year. And that'd be the first time they've been able to do that since 2006. So it's not as if they're going to be playing a team that they traditionally would run over, but probably not this year. Dan Lanning is going to have to have that team ready to go. And I'm excited to see what that game brings us in this really cool rivalry week that is highlighted by number two, Ohio State playing number three, Michigan. That is the consensus. And that's what I put in my top 25, right? The top four did not change. It was chalk, even as not everybody looked good in that top four. Matter of fact, I would say nobody in that top four looked good. Georgia, 16-6 against Kentucky. Ohio State needed basically Zach Harrison to close the game and close the door on Maryland to secure the win. Michigan, Played the second half without Blake Corum mostly, but still should not have been in the position they were in at the big house against Illinois. And Texas Christian ran a fire drill to get the field goal unit on the, on the field to kick a go-ahead field goal to win it in regulation by one point. But later that day, USC put on an outstanding performance. They beat UCLA 48-45, and I have them at number five. Now, the thing to also take about this is that I don't have Tennessee falling as far as the Associated Press top 25. It'll be interesting to see what the college football playoff committee does here too because, frankly, yeah, Tennessee lost to South Carolina 63-38. Spencer Rattler had a day of days, over 400 yards through the air, six TDs, and South Carolina Gamecocks are still living off of being able to hand Tennessee their second L of the season. But you'll see that I have Tennessee ranked at six ahead of LSU, Alabama, Oregon, and Clemson. Now, I'm not
not going to overreact the way that literally everybody else has to Tennessee getting beat by South Carolina. You want to know why? Because they stopped a mud hole in LSU 40-13 to in Baton Rouge, and they beat Alabama 52-51 in a game that everybody thought was going to be basically for the national championship, at the very least was going to be the second-best team to Georgia in the SEC. And then, you know, Georgia dispatched Tennessee, not with extreme prejudice, but certainly made their presence known. I also look at Alabama and say that's a team that got beat by LSU, okay? And LSU got beat by Tennessee, but more than that, LSU lost to Florida State. Now, if you want to tell me that Florida State is a good football team, I'm also going to look at you and tell you that UCLA is a good football team. They're both 8-3, and three, all right? You want to tell me that Ole Miss is as good a football team? That's fine, too. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that LSU and Alabama need to be ranked ahead of Tennessee. Wins and losses have to matter. If you beat somebody head-to-head, that has to matter. I don't give a damn when you played them or how you looked. Honestly, did you win or lose? That's what we're talking about. Nobody here thinks that Texas Christian is a better football team than Tennessee, Alabama, or even maybe LSU. But they are undefeated, and they are undefeated in a Power 5 conference, and that has to count for something, and it does, right? That's why we're talking about Texas Christian having a magic season, even as they keep playing with fire in every game they play, having to come from behind, having to do it dramatically. But those wins and losses matter. So we put them at four, right? Same thing I did with Tennessee at six, and I can take my fight wherever that is with anybody that wants to do that. I believe number six is really unassailable there you could talk to me about Clemson and their one loss season but they lost to Notre Dame and as good as Notre Dame has looked over the past three weeks Notre Dame also lost to Marshall at home I don't forget that either right I I really want Notre Dame to be good especially as they get to play USC this week in a game that has college football playoff implications I don't think that USC gets into the playoff with a loss to Notre Dame this week even if they win the Pac-12 championship so it's still there We'll just have to see what kind of Notre Dame shows up. Is it the one that can run all over people like they did against Clemson with 265 yards on the ground? Or is it the one that showed up against Marshall? We'll just have to wait and see. Same thing with Clemson on that front, too, because they have to absolutely run down South Carolina, who all of a sudden looks better than they did last week. And then they got to run down UNC, who lost to Georgia Tech, right? And what I'm telling you is don't be shocked if Clemson sneaks into the college football playoff once again. It just really sucks. Last thing to say about Hendon Hooker is that news on Sunday came out that, yes, he indeed tore the ACL in his left knee and his career is done. Uh, Shout out to the Tennessee Volunteers Twitter account who understands what that man means to the program and what this season that has been absolutely magical has meant for them having a great time this year. I mean, we've all been in one way or another joyous about Tennessee football, either them beating Alabama for the first time in the Nick Saban era this year, them beating five ranked opponents this year, their losses being to the best team in college football and the defending national champs, and a South Carolina team that is, frankly, not bad. That's the thing to take away about the SEC East is that it's no longer just a place you can expect to win every game you play if you're Georgia or even Florida. Think about it this way. Vanderbilt beat Florida on Saturday. Kentucky couldn't even stay on the field with Tennessee when they played. You know, it's, you go up and down that Missouri had Georgia within striking distance. Like, it's just not easy to play there anymore. And that entire league is going to get better with the addition of Oklahoma and Texas in the coming years. It's just fun 
Also, the thing to, to point here is that this also torpedoes Hendon Hooker's opportunity to win a Heisman Trophy. And shouts to producer Tyler who put this in my brain, and I think it's a really good comp. Dennis Dixon going down against Arizona in 2007 is what this injury reminds me of for Hooker. Now, the difference is Tennessee was already losing that game, and it was insult to injury, literally, for Hendon Hooker to suffer this season-ending, career-ending injury on a team that, frankly, he was the dude that made it go. He was the guy that was accurate downfield. He was the guy that was running it fast. He was the guy that was unfazed by any of the pressure that they felt. And now you're handing the keys to perhaps the most untapped piece of talent in all of college football in Joe Milton. Michigan fans are more familiar with Joe Milton than most, and Tennessee fans who also booed Joe Milton off the field last year are pretty familiar with him. But if you've seen him and you see his tools, you know that you want it to come together for him. And a New Year's Six Bowl berth is still on the table for Tennessee, and I would like to see Joe Milton finish this in a spectacular fashion. If no other reason, then that's what this team deserves, and I'm sure Hendon Hooker would want that for him as well. Uh, Notre Dame moved up to 11 for me. They uh, were 13 in the Associated Press poll. Mostly, I kept doing some moving and shaking. Like North Carolina, Utah, they made this difficult for me, right? Like I'm going, all right, now we're into the place where I got to actually add a 7-4 and four team here and it doesn't feel out of place. And I did that with Texas, and so did the Associated Press team. But Notre Dame being number 11 for me, going against a number 5 USC, that ought to be good. And the Associated Press rankings, number 5 versus number 13. I assume that it'll be something similar when the playoff rankings come out. We'll all be interested in that game. Notre Dame's got to travel to the Coliseum for that. And sometimes it don't go their way when they do that. We'll just have to wait and see on that. Then again, sometimes it's 2018, and they beat a bad uh, USC, 5-7 and seven USC to get in the playoff and get sunned by Clemson, but, you know, just play an ACC championship game and we don't have to deal with this. One last thing about Notre Dame here. Notre Dame has won its last 28 straight against ACC opponents. Clemson is a one-loss team who lost to Notre Dame but ran their, their ACC regular season schedule undefeated. I'm saying, Notre Dame, can you please put an end to this open marriage you have with the ACC? Because, frankly, you ought to win conference championships. You should, unless, you know, you play in 2020, and then we could have a different discussion about that. But I, I, would, I, I don't like this. I don't like people being able to claim undefeated when we know damn well you're not undefeated. We know that Notre Dame is basically an ACC team. Just go ahead and make it for real. Sign the paper. Show us a marriage license. That's what you do in the United States, okay? For goodness me, that's what you do in South Bend. All right. Now, from that, I want to go into a discussion about Ohio State versus Michigan, and there is no better man to lead us into that than Ohio State quarterback and Ohio State hero Troy Smith, who was quarterback for the Buckeyes the last time that these two teams met undefeated in what we call the game of the century. Let's go talk to Troy. I'm pleased to be joined by Ohio State quarterback and Heisman Trophy winner, Troy Smith. Troy, how you doing, man? I'm doing very good. Appreciate you having me, RJ. Nah, man, I'm so excited to talk with you, specifically going into this week, the week for the game. And we're coming up on yeah. 16 years ago, right? You rolled into the shoe against an undefeated Michigan and went off, right? I think it was 29 to 41, 316. Three tutties and a pick. What do you remember about that game? Um, I remember all of those stats. Uh, I remember the ups, the downs. I remember that day vividly. 
Um, it is a part of OSU history, and I am incredibly grateful to be there. I went and rewatched the game in preparing for this uh, interview with you, and I was floored by just how close it was there at the end. So going into fourth quarter, Mike Hart scores, right? Now running backs coach at Michigan. And Great I think, player. I think, Great tell, player. Me, tell me if I got this wrong. You were coming into the game 17-yard line and had to lead Ohio State down the field after what was looking like a rocky end of the game because y'all were up 28-14 at one point. What was it like going into that final series to got, try to put together that drive? It was tough. Um, you know, great teams uh, bring out the, the greatness in you, the character inside of you. And if you look back at that team across the board, they were stacked. Um, uh, first round draft picks all across the board, great coaches, uh, great camaraderie. Um, there was the passing of Bo Schembechler that added a little bit more lore to everything that they were bringing that day. So it was tough, but uh, we persevered. We, we, we hung tight. Um, you know, football in adverse situations really bring out your character, uh, the trueness of who you are, and, and we stuck it out. So it was pretty cool. It's interesting you, you make mention of Coach Tim Beckler passing on the eve of, of that game, uh, 77 mm -hmm. years old, a veteran of the 10-year mm -hmm. war, as many folks inside the rivalry get. But I want to set the table here in that it was number one versus number two in what yeah. we've called the game of the century. Y'all had knocked off the number two team in the country in Texas. Michigan had knocked off the number two team in the country in Notre Dame. And y'all kept yeah. it together for this game. So I got to ask, what was the lead up for you like? Like, what is the talk going into the week? What's Monday like? What's Tuesday like? Um, It was very, very, very rigorous. Um, There was a lot going on. Um, specifically because you had a lot of the major trophies and the major awards up uh, for grabs at that time, too. Uh, if our team wasn't as cohesive and held together the way that we did, we wouldn't have been able to um, go through uh, the gauntlet that was 2006. Uh, we played a couple different number one versus number two games that year, like you, like you just mentioned. Uh, didn't get the win in the national championship. Um, but it was a rough year and, and going into the Michigan week, I mean, it's everything. Um, the tensions run deep, the tensions run high, um, special players come out in special games and, uh, it'll create a buzz for you for the rest of your life. If you're pretty successful, if it doesn't work out, uh, the back alleys is usually where you need to travel. So trust me, I know. <laughs> well, Hey, look. It worked out for you in winning the Heisman Trophy, and I want to put a point here. If we throw out the single-wing tailbacks, and I do, you're the last and I believe the only quarterback in Ohio State history to win the Heisman Trophy. What, how has that changed your life even 15, 16 years after the fact? It's, it's changed my life tremendously. Um, there's been tumultuous times because of it, but that is life. Life is going to life regardless of whichever ways that you want to cut it. Um, the Heisman Trophy, the accolades, the wins on the field, they mean so much. But then again, too, as a realist, I've come across too many situations where the things that I have done, they've tried to minimize some of the things. And specifically, this is why we stepped into the mental health realm and we stepped into different ways of becoming a better man and a better person 
because of the ups and downs with football. At one point in time, you're riding high. You're the best thing since sliced bread. And then when things don't go the way that things are supposed to from somebody else's vision for you, you'll see how they really love you and appreciate you. But being an Ohio guy uh, through and through, I've had so much respect for everybody around here, so much support. Uh, the reciprocity is real. Um, kids, if you're getting a chance to watch this, come on and be a Buckeye because there's real love here and we keep it real and we, we, we try to give back as much as we can. That is an interesting point you raise about what it means to be a Buckeye and more specifically be a Buckeye quarterback. Uh, yeah. I got to know Kim Stroud, CJ Stroud's mother, uh, since he got to Ohio State. And she That's was awesome. walking through with me the difference between perhaps being a five-star quarterback and then knowing that your kid is going to be a big-time college football quarterback and then being the quarterback at the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, so yeah. From Rancho Cucamonga, California. Rancho Cucamonga. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I'm, I'm asking you, like, how does that change for you when you become not just the quarterback, but, I mean, you're a quarterback that was allowed to sling it and run it. I mean, I'm looking at this. Right. Go ahead, put you on front street. You got Brian Robisky. You got Ted yeah. Jr. You got Anthony Gonzalez. Yeah. And you got right. Brian Hartline to throw the ball to. How much pressure yeah. is on your shoulders to just not mess this up? San Antonio Holmes, don't forget him too. I mean, that was a year before, but he was he set the tone. He was a beast. It's not a lot of pressure to tell you the truth. You named all of those guys that what they can do as a wide receiver is get open. Uh, it was pretty simple, pretty easy for me. Our linemen were tough. Our linemen got after it. Uh, we just didn't. We weren't a part of the new day and age with the super tight jerseys, so your skin and the fat had to leave. You know what I mean? Like nowadays, the the linemen look like tight ends. I wasn't a part of that. I had I had guys that were regular old guys. I'm not even gonna talk about the physique because it is what it is. I love my guys to death. We were just a part of a the the first versions of you know m like morphing to what the quarterback does and not making him you know, be a picture, picturesque version of something that you want. So Coach Jim Trestle, uh, if it wasn't for him and his ingenuity and his ability to be new and cutting edge and then also morph with us, he gave us a chance to throw the football. And this is why you know all of these great wide receivers that came from Ohio State. I'm curious about your relationship with Coach Trestle. Uh, uh, just a peek behind the curtain. Our producer mm -hmm. here, Tyler Wojak, is a Notre Dame alumnus, and he is, okay. like me, a big fan of Marcus Freeman, former Buckeye. Huge and, fan of Marcus Freeman, man. Right, Huge and what fan. he's been able to do, especially the way they've been able to bounce back in the second half of the year. But one of the things yeah. that he had talked about was just how much Coach Trestle has meant to him, not just mm -hmm. uh, when he played for him, but as a head coach now. What is, was it like for you to be able to play for a guy like Coach Trestle that, for me, looking, looking inside, right, I'm from Oklahoma, he didn't look mm -hmm. like the kind of dude that was going to let you go sling it or let that offense open up. But it seems like that's just who he is. Youngstown guy, blue collar guy, tough as nails. Um, if it wasn't for him, you know, who knows where I would have been. He, he literally changed my life because he put the football in my hand and looked me in my eyes and said, it is yours now. And also it is yours to mess up. So if it doesn't work out, you know what I mean? It's on you. Um, you know, we we went from three yards in a cloud of dust to specifically throwing the ball all first quarter. 
Uh, if you don't stop it, we'll throw it all second quarter. Uh, he gave me the keys to the ship and he trusted me. Uh, I think it really worked one because of Joe Daniels, who was my quarterback coach back then. And, and as soon as he told me he coached Dan Marino at the university of Pittsburgh, I was sold, you know what I mean? So if it wasn't for him, if it wasn't for Jim Trestle and also my dad, Ted Ginn senior, who knows where I would have been. So it was seriously a village that helped raise me and to be in the play a quarterback at Ohio State, it is definitely life-changing. You forever are synonymous with the university, whether you've done good or bad, because we, we know some names that are decent. And we know some names that aren't as good, and we still love them all the same. So it's unique. It's a unique class of guys that come from Ohio State, and I am just privileged to be a part. So uh, one of my favorite photos around the Heisman Trophy is you got your two hands on, on the stiff arm, man, but also – you got a you got a lined up fade. I can see the waves. You got the chin strap. Yeah. I started rocking it based on that picture. The fifty cent, chin the fifty cent chin strap. The fifty yeah. cent chin strap. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm like, but it was something I could pull off. Like you see with the beard and whatnot. I was like, let me get like Troy. The beard but, looks good too, man. I pre look, see, I, I I'm five <laughs> foot five, so I got to get it where I can get it. I got to get my grown man where I can get my grown man. <laughs> but I wanted to ask it in this way because it feels like if C.J. Stroud has a tremendous game. He's going to be the front runner for the Heisman Trophy, win the Big Ten yeah. Championship. That's a wrap for it, or so it seems. If He's he were bring to it win home. it, what would you think his life would look like afterwards? Oh my God! Come on, it's 2022. You know, I got a chance to do something that was a soft decade ago. You know, and life has been grand for me ever since. For him, in this day and age, with the NIL and specifically with the powers of college football being given back to the people who deserve it. Uh, the actual players on the field deserve it. You know, they are the ones scoring touchdowns. I promise you, I've never seen a coach kick a field goal, score a touchdown, run a punt. I've never seen it. You know what I mean? The players deserve what they deserve. Uh, and he's a special kid. I said it before. To me, he throws the prettiest football in college football. Also, timed up and multiplied by this new day and age of understanding and knowing who you are. It's a dangerous combination. And then also, too, when you got guys like myself who want to do nothing but help and give back to the university in the proper ways, we're going to be able to, to develop some fiduciary relationships and help these kids in the long run to seriously understand their power. You know, that shift is here and it's now. I'm glad it's happening to CJ, CJ, because he looks good doing it. And I'm a fan from afar. I want him to be the eighth one. We gonna bring home another Heisman Trophy, hopefully, and we'll be slapping fires with him on the stage. You know what I mean? In New York. Nah, that's what's up. And I think that is an absolutely outstanding place to end it. Ohio State quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, Troy Smith, Sir, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on the number one college football show. RJ, man, anytime, bro. I appreciate you, man. Go Bucks always. We're going to rock it, baby. My thanks once again to Ohio State quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, Troy Smith, who took the time to speak with us about what his life was like at Ohio State as the quarterback, what his life has been like as a Heisman winner at Ohio State. It's been 16 years since an Ohio State player won the Heisman Trophy, C.J. Stroud feels like the best dude to have the better best opportunity to do that should the Buckeyes come out victorious 
in this game against Michigan. Also add in there that Blake Corm, yes, uh, the knee seems to be fine. He's going to be available. This is from him talking, and we're all very excited about this game. I'm excited about C.J. Stroud. I've been excited about C.J. Stroud for some time. And now at the Fox Sports website or on the Fox Sports app, you can read a feature that I wrote about him, a magazine feature that's about 3,000 words in length. I spent the better part of two years reporting this story. I was given outstanding access uh, to CJ's mom, Kim, who was nothing but kind to me as I tried to unpack just what this journey from Rancho Cucamonga, California to Ohio State and probable first round draft pick has been for her and for her son, CJ. There are some nuggets in there that I hope you will find useful and are frankly quite original. Uh, One that I will tease right now is not only did Michigan recruit the hell out of CJ Stroud and did CJ Stroud and his parents uh, make a visit or his, his mother and his brother Isaiah make a visit to Ann Arbor. Jim Harbaugh was cool enough at the Heisman Trophy ceremony in 2021 to take a photo of CJ and his family. And they were touched by that. And she asked, why do you want the photo? To which Jim Harbaugh said, I like to take pictures of greatness, which feels super Jim Harbaugh, right? It's super on brand for him. And I'm sure that no matter what goes down, CJ wants to avenge that loss to Michigan. And I'm sure that Ohio State's want the same. Very excited to see this game in the shoe and really, really touched that Kim gave me the opportunity to tell her and her son's story. Please go read that. Let me know what you think about it on tweets, on the Instagrams, on the Facebooks, on the TikTok, because I'm over there doing that too now. Also, you'll know this is the day. Use Ase, the red, white, and blue passe is going to work. Today, we got whales. All right. Now, your longtime friend of the show, friend of the channel, you know that I get down with the European footballs. All right. I'm the dude that once put his foot through his TV because Arsene Wenger was driving Arsenal into the ground. But this team has become my team because I had to give up that narcotic that is Arsenal. And I am ready. Okay. I believe, I believe Greg Berhalter left out Ricardo Pepe. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to say Christian Pulisic is going to pull them together. Timothy Way is going to put them together. I'm going to say that it's fine that we are not playing the kind of elite soccer that we were playing just six months ago, but we're going to get it done against Gareth Bale. And we, on next Sunday, we're going to get it done against England. Then... The following Friday, we're going to get it done, okay, against Iran. Getting out of this group stage, okay? We're getting out of this group stage. We're getting in a knockout round. And that that everything else is found money. Everything else is found money, okay? This time, we in the World Cup. We weren't in it the last time. That was embarrassing. Jordan Morris is going to redeem himself. We're going to be okay, all right? So I, like you, will be watching the World Cup on Fox 30 days, four games a day. I'm very excited. And frankly, uh. This is going to be such an event for all of us because it's not just we got England and we got Dallas and New York. We got the game. So much going on here, and I'm excited to be a part of it. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show. My thanks, as always, to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Donnelly. Our director is Kyle Holly. Our social media maven is Javion Duncan. Our lead of screenings is Rachel Cone. I'm the host, RJ. We will see y'all live 
after the college football playoff rankings reveal on Tuesday. Deuces.